Some episodes may contain adult themes or explicit language. Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we are joined by former StarCraft II pro and now full-time streamer and coach, Vibe. If you'd like to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can always buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. As always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Brett Lindley. Brett, how are you doing today? So excited. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, well, like we said in the intro, we are joined by special guest, Vibe. Uh, Vibe, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing really good, man. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys right now. Let's let's do it. Yeah, awesome. for sure. Uh, well, so we're obviously, like I said before we started recording, super excited to have you here. Um, you were a, a StarCraft II pro for a long time, and then since then have moved into to full-time kind of streaming and coaching and that sort of thing. Um so really, before I get in deep into the StarCraft stuff, though, I'm curious just kind of to talk, understand you a little more. So where where are you from? Where did you grow up at? Um, uh, I'm, from, I'm from Colorado. I've uh, lived here pretty much the majority of my life. I've moved around a little bit here and there. Like I lived in Australia for a couple of years. I lived in uh, California for like a couple months. Not that not that long. Uh, but yeah, the majority of my life has definitely been Colorado. It's, it's a bit not so much lately, but I, I kind of like a bit of like the slower environment where it's not so city hustle bustle, like super busy, like everywhere. Uh, but right. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So growing up, I mean, did you was there a, a competitive gaming scene that you grew up in or how did you kind of get in, introduced into gaming? Uh, really, for me, it was just my friends, honestly, like there was no competitive scene. And like the, the first competitive thing that I got into was just Battle.net for like I'm an old school Blizzard fanboy. Mm -hmm. So like uh, I used to play Warcraft through Warcraft two with, with like modem connections, and then suddenly yeah. they came out with Warcraft two Battle.net edition, and I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> I don't uh, have to configure the IRQ in the DMA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then same thing with uh, like Starcraft, Brood War, stuff like that. Warcraft three, I used to play games like that all the time uh, back in the day. So yeah. Battle.net was my form of competition because my real life circle uh, circle of friends was more in like traditional sports like football, basketball, stuff like that. So I had one buddy who was really good and every other buddy that played games was usually like, it would be like comparing like a master's player to like a silver player. Mm. And you're like, okay, well, you're going to have to lose every time. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like my buddy that had the SNES and I didn't grow up with consoles. So I'd go yeah. over his ass and like, yeah, let's play some Street Fighter. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, right? I can't, but okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> I could lose for about half an hour before I'm done. Uh, <laughs> so when did you, when did you, um, well, I guess before I go there, do you have a memory of kind of maybe what was, it doesn't have to be literally the first, but what was one of the earliest games that really grabbed you and pulled you in to gaming as a, a hobby? Uh, I remember my, my dad was kind of a gamer as well. So, uh, or he still is a solo gamer, but he was like, he was a, a console gamer who became a PC gamer. It was kind of mm. like he brought my, I have one sibling, an older brother, and he bought my, he brought my brother and I into uh, console gaming when we were really, really young. And then we kind of brought him into PC gaming as we got older because we like converted him, I guess, because we converted ourselves. Uh, but I used to play a console called TurboGrafx-16. And nice. yeah, there was like, I remember one of the earliest games I played was a game called Bonk. And it was like this little caveman you would run around with and he had a humongous head and he would smash his head into stuff to, you know, attack stuff. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then um, I don't really remember this that much, uh, to be to be honest, but my brother used to play final fantasy one and i would play with him as well and sometimes i would play sometimes he would play 
but I remember uh, vaguely playing it, but I actually learned that game was all text and it was no voices. So you mm -hmm. like, I actually kind of learned how to read a bit before I even like went to school because oh, wow. I played nice. a lot of that game. So yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I used to be all about mostly TurboGrafx-16 games and then um, a couple other ones like like Final Fantasy, which I don't even remember what console that was on, to be honest, like regular Nintendo or something. I don't probably, probably. Yeah. yeah. So was the was Turbo Graphics your first console, or did you go further that's, back to like I think that's, Vision? I think that's the earliest one I remember okay. for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Clearly, you're smarter than I am because when I was a little kid, my dad, if I we went to the video store and I wanted to rent a game, um, he would look at the back of of the box to to try and gauge how much text there was. Because if there was too much text, it meant that I was constantly going to be calling him into the room sure, to yeah. read to me what was on the screen, and he didn't want that life. So he'd be like, <laughs> nah, you gotta, you're going to have to wait until you're yeah. older and you can read yeah, <laughs> before we right. get this one. <laughs> I probably would have had the same situation if my brother didn't actually... Because he was playing it, and he would like read it out loud. Right. And I would kind of right. like understand it a little bit more over time. That's awesome. Yeah. So pretty pretty early rise to gaming when did you uh so you know you and your brother said can converted your dad to pc gaming when did you get your first pc uh so my family got a pc when i was like i think nine years old or so it was like either nine or ten it was really young and it was like a pizza box and the one of the main mem memories that i have of that pc is we went to a store called comp usa and my dad wanted to buy two eight megabyte sticks of RAM Ooh. to put in the, the computer. And it each each stick was like four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, what the hell, dude? Like, I didn't really have the concept of money back then. Like, I was like, oh, cool. But my dad was like, this is so damn expensive. This is, oh yeah. <laughs> Did you have a, a like a, a lock on your PC? Did it have a barrel key? Uh, I honestly, I don't I don't think so. No. OK. okay. Uh, <laughs> we had an old Tandy that had like a barrel key that actually just like it was just a switch. It just kept sure. the power from turning back on. But my okay. dad would sometimes lock the PC at night, so you couldn't. You hit the power button, nothing happened. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my my family is a lot more like chill about it. Like, I mean, there was just, there was like rules. My, my parents were always super relaxed about everything. Like, uh, they were kind of just like, like, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, up until recently, uh, I was always kind of lazy as well, and that's probably a, a reason why I was a bit lazy. Is because a lot of times my parents kind of let me make my own rules for myself, like <laughs> very often. So I was like, yeah. I'll keep playing. And then it was more of this like non really um, not really like a rule set where you have to like have the computer time stops now. But if I'm still on and like, let's say my mom got up to go to work, she'd be like, are you still awake? You like, never go to bed. <laughs> the hell's wrong with you? And then, you know, then there's a little bit of disappointment there. But yeah, very there relaxed. Was, there was a little bit of a split between my mom and my dad. And I think some of my dad's rules were more for my mom to appease my mom than sure. they really were for me. So. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you, you grow up playing console games and then kind of get into PC. When did you start? And you mentioned that you were competing on Battle.net, but when did you start really serious, like taking it you know, seriously where you're thinking you're going to actually compete beyond just uh, playing ladder games? So that was a lot later. Like I, mm. I started realizing I got like uh, pretty good at games and uh, like towards the end of Brood War and when Warcraft 3 came out, I started like because you have stats and stuff, and I was really, everyone's all about their record back then. And nowadays, I guess you still kind of are, but I feel like it used to be more about it back then because there was more of like an internal community in the game that you would mm -hmm. go to chat channels and look at people's profiles and stuff. Uh, but I, I just remember my, my, my statistics were like back in early Brood War days and like Warcraft 2 days, my win rates were like 50-50 all the time. Like it never, I was never like impressed about my, my, I was just like, yeah, I'm playing the game, I'm having fun. I didn't really care. And then um, 
towards the end of Brood War, I started becoming a bit more obsessed with my stats because I, I made like another account towards the end. And I remember I ended up playing like something around like a thousand games on it. And uh, it was like, it wasn't even like serious games. It was like 3v3 BGH. It's not even like 1v1 ladder type stuff. <laughs> uh, but I remember my record got to like 70% plus and I was super impressed with that. Hmm. And then in Warcraft 3, I actually started making accounts that could have, uh, like my main account was like a 90% win rate. So I was like, okay, I'm starting to get a lot better at these games. Like, cause I have just so much more experience than all these new players that keep playing. Um, I still wasn't competing pro though, but I was just feeling like I was really good on, in general online. And I wanted to start competing. I didn't really know how to do it because it was way more obscure about how to get into pro gaming back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I remember in Warcraft 3, or sorry, in, uh, in World of Warcraft, actually, um, my friends and I were playing Arena. And on our uh, back when the game had battle groups, we were actually rank one in our battle group for a couple months. And there was a tournament that came out that was uh, like it was coming out in like two months in like Austin. And my friends that I was playing with were in California and I was Colorado still. Uh, and we all agreed we were going to go to it. So I was looking forward to like going and competing in an event and just like feeling like I, I never really got to experience what it'd be like to go to a LAN event, but I always kind of wanted to do it because I, I had already also been watching like BlizzCon up like for a few years before that. And I was like, okay, these players that play Brood War and Warcraft 3 at BlizzCon are, you know, that's like, I'm super, I, I want to get into that. It sounds really cool to me. I want to be a part of that. Uh, and then I remember uh, the, the World of Warcraft tournament that I was going to go to in Austin, like up until about two weeks before it, my buddies and I were like, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. But then like two weeks before my buddies ended up being like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't really want to pay the flight costs. I don't want to go for the hotel. Like, it just sounds like a lot of money. I don't really want to do it anymore. So they kind of bailed. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of sucked. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, our other friends that we knew online who actually did go, they, they definitely weren't bad or anything like that. But I would say our record against them uh, was like we beat them definitely like way more than half the time, probably like 75-25 split between mm-hmm. us winning and them winning. Uh, and they ended up winning the tournament. And I was like, dude, we could have literally won that. Oh. I really feel like we could have won that tournament. And then uh, they, my, but my friends, they just didn't really have the same like drive to want to do pro gaming like I did. They were they're like more traditional upbringings, like they're going to college. They're going for their degrees and stuff, and they're just going to like, that's their course. They want to go down. They just want to play gaming for fun, not super serious. So I ended up telling myself that the next game that comes out, I didn't care what genre it was. The next game that comes out that I'm going to play, that I can play solo, I'm just going to go for it and see if, what I can do with it. And that happened to be in uh, this. I made this choice in like 2000, late 2008, sometime in like 2009. I can't remember the exact. It was like about a year before StarCraft 2 came out. And like, mm. it was like right before like the the beta podcasts and stuff came out with like uh, David Kim and like his yep. friend uh, who it was his friend, like Matt, I think it was, it was before Dustin Browder as well. And then Dustin Browder started after that with it. Cause terrible, terrible damage stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Addicted to terrible uh, damage. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I remember just saying like I'm so excited about RTS blizzard. I love it. And uh, Starcraft two was the next game I was going to go pro. At. I just wanted to do it. And I remember the way I made sure I could do that was I went to eBay. This is the only time I've ever done this, but I went to eBay and I literally bought a BlizzCon beta key for StarCraft 2. Wow. And I, yeah, I ended up sending like, I think it was like $300 on it. Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting that. I don't care. I'm going day one. And I had no access to get a beta key then. So I literally just bought a beta. Um, and then I, I literally played StarCraft from day one. Wow. And I even started streaming because I did, I honestly, I feel like this was the, probably the best decision I made. Uh, because I thought to myself, if you, because uh, I, I knew friends of mine that had been like, uh, so let me let me back up a bit and like actually explain why I thought streaming was going to be good. 
So my friends that won that Texas tournament, they ended up getting sponsored. And then I ended up, uh, my friends and I ended up also, uh, different friends of mine ended up playing uh, Heroes and New Earth. And I, I played a lot of, of that game. I didn't ever go, I went pro at it or anything like that, but I was definitely pretty decent at it. And I was playing with people who also later on got sponsored. And I was like, okay, these guys are getting sponsored. And like, how is that happening? It's because their their name is out there. It's more exposed and, you know, sponsors, some word of mouth happens and then a sponsor picks them up. And I told myself because of these people I knew that got sponsored and I thought I could be on that level too, that I was just going to stream just to get my name out there. I didn't, I didn't think about, oh, I'm going to grow a stream and get grow a stream brand. I literally just wanted to get my name out there to get sponsored and like get on a team. Um, and it worked great. And like, it, not only do you have ladder exposure, right? Because you have like a, it's again word of mouth when you when you have opponents who potentially are sponsored. Like for instance, if I played someone from like EG, let's say I played like Machine or like In Control or LZ Gamer or uh, Idra or someone like that, and if they're like, "What do you think about this vibe guy?" And they're, oh, I play him a lot. He's actually pretty good. Like if, if people actually think you're good that are already sponsored, your chances of being sponsored are way higher. But the fact that I also streamed and um, it just made your name get out there even more. It's just easier to pick to get picked up by a team. And uh, that's really what I just fully ended up going for, for uh, right at the start of StarCraft 2. And I have, for like the first five years of that game, I think I legit played that game every day. Like I never missed a day. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, some days more than other, right? Like some days right. were like 12-hour sessions or something like that. But some days were like maybe more like two-hour sessions. But I literally never missed a day for the first like five years of that game. That's wild. So you didn't really, you know, at the beginning, I said you transitioned to streaming after being a pro gamer, but that's not really true. You did both simultaneously from the jump. I, I in the beginning, I definitely did because I, I just wanted to keep it wasn't for monetary value or anything like that. It was literally just to keep getting my name further out there because I, it depends on your your goal, right? Like if your goal is I just want to get on any team, I don't care. And you know, that's that's good enough for me. And then if I let's say I'm like a top 128 player, that's good enough for me. If, if that's your goal. You're probably just gonna like if, if that was what my goal was i'd be like cool i'm uh i'm happy with that it's fine you know I, I can stop now if i really want to but i feel like uh i had uh i had the thought in my mind that I've, I've always been a really competitive person internally and i always have wanted to be like better than everyone at everything i do because I, I when i grew up and like i said with how my like only one of my friends actually pushed me competitively in any way when i would play games with him all my other friends, I would just destroy, 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 destroy. Like every <laughs> single time. I was like, I feel like I want to keep doing that process. I, I have, I, I crave winning. So keep the continuation of streaming was literally just the, for the fact of if I'm not like satisfied with where I'm at, I'm going to keep pushing and keep trying to push that goal because it, I felt like it was working and I wanted to keep going further to like a higher tier team or, uh, you know, uh, get more in the, in the top tier crowd of like, getting myself tight knit with like high level practice partners and like actually trying to become the best player that I can possibly be stuff like that. So I literally just saw my stream early on as a platform to promote myself and nothing else. That's a really fantastic way of doing it. I mean, like you said, that's it, getting your name out there is one of the hardest things to do. Like marketing is the hardest part of it, making any product. And when the yeah. product is yourself, that's the same thing. So yeah, having other players talk about you, have, you know, just exposure so that people can find you being found. My, my dad always said that if you had a, if you had a DIY, go to the moon kit, it could be the best, cheapest thing in the world. But if nobody knows it exists, so you're not going to sell any. So exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely one of those things where you like, you, you'll have a different experience if you, uh, if, I mean, if you're onto something and like, you're, let's just say you have a, like, 
uh, player who knows something that's groundbreaking and they they are actually going to change the game if that becomes more mainstream knowledge and they try to tell people that and you have no backing to like any type of credibility to you everyone might just be like what okay i, like, I don't care like this is some rando telling me that's, this but that's then not it, the meta you probably yeah, don't know what's going yeah, on yeah yeah <laughs> but then if you, if you have anybody with any credibility even if they know even less than that guy for instance for that one thing they're talking about immediately it's like Oh, dude, he's just changing. Like, this is changing everything. This guy is such a genius. It's like, <laughs> wow, he's amazing. And then it's like, it's just really about who you are and what you say changes the whole perspective of how it is presented and everything. Hmm. That's interesting. So, I mean, you answered already. I was going to ask if, if all of your other friends just got dominated by you in all games. And the answer <laughs> to that question is yes. Um, so I'm curious, like, I, you know, I grew up playing, you know, I'm six, five as an adult. I didn't grow up six, five, but, um, always the tall kid, always played basketball and stuff. Right. And I have, I have one friend in particular though, who's any athletic endeavor we do, he wins, but he just runs faster and jumps higher than everybody else. Sure. But as a gamer, like, what do you attribute your capacity to, to just dominate everyone in your life? <laughs> if, if you pick so, up the sticks. So for me, uh, I definitely met a lot more friends along the way in gaming. Like once I started getting online, like battle and stuff like that, that I definitely were like way more on my level. But when I was a kid and I was, uh, you know, uh, like we're talking when I was like 13, 14, 15, I was really young and I would be going to school um, and just, you know, talking to people about gaming and stuff. What we would do a lot of the times, this is pretty fun. I kind of miss these days, but um, we used to play 1v1s with like show match style where there was like six observers kind of stuff. And we would rotate in winners and losers. Yeah. And it was literally like when you have that, when I had that one of my buddies, his name was Quan, uh, when he and I would play against each other. It would literally be like, I don't know if I'm going to win and I don't know if he's going to win. And then what ended up happening was uh, like for the whole time and all the games we played, we were always like neck and neck and everything. Like it was like you had to if you made mistakes, you would lose or if he made mistakes, he would lose. So it made you play better every time. Right. And then the time I would say we really fine tuned it was uh, in Warcraft 3 because I think that's the game we played the longest together for probably like six years. Um and what it ended up coming down to was he ended up just choosing to play random. So his random was really good. And I ended up choosing uh, to play human. And my human is really good. And then whenever we played matches from that point on, whenever I, because I had more uh, precision practice with just one race. So if I got human, I would beat him. But if I got anything else, he would beat me. And that's what it eventually turned into. Uh, and it was really fun because it was like always hard to beat him. But every other one of my friends was something like this. Like this is a memory I have back when I was... Uh, this is when I was in middle school. I think it was like eighth grade, which would put me at like what 13 years old or something like that. And uh, I we got off the bus right after school. And we were walking back to walk, walking back home. And we all lived in the same neighborhood. And like three, it was three of us. And they wanted to go. We all wanted we're going to go to one of our friends' houses to play StarCraft Brood War. Okay. And they were they were talking a ton of shit, being like, "I bet I'm probably better than you." And they had no idea who like how good. Neither of us really knew how good each other was because. At this point, none of us had really played together, but we just all kind of found out that we play a lot of StarCraft at this point. Uh, and then I remember watching my friend sit down and he was trying to be super impressive about how good he was at the game. And it was, I remember watching him play and he was playing at, the only way, like for StarCraft players, the way you can describe it through like APM would be like, he was playing at something that looked like 30 or 40 APM. And I was like, bro, you have no, no idea how <laughs> not good you are right now towards what I think you are. Uh, and he was talking so much, he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to crush you. Like he thinks he, he, you know, he thought he was going to like do very good against me. And then I ended up sitting down and playing. And then they thought I was just slapping the keyboard, like not even trying. Like I was just pretending to play. 
And then eventually after like 10 minutes, they're like, no, he's actually playing the game. What the hell? Like back then, <laughs> yeah, back then I wouldn't say I was like, I definitely was not as good as I am now, but back then I still had like at least like 150 uh, APM wow. compared to like 30 for what they had. Cause right. they're like literally like every key they hit, they're like, look at the keyboard, looking at the keyboard, looking right. at the keyboard. And I'm, I actually knew, I already was good with the keyboard cause I had been using it for so long already. I literally knew where all the keys were already. So I didn't have to look at it. Right. And that's why they were like, okay, he's pushing it fast and he's never looking down. He's definitely pretending to play right now and then uh yeah then they're like wait no he's not so it, it was pretty funny max supply <laughs> yeah. yeah it was it that's was a, a fluke cheater you know whatever yeah it was it was definitely a different experience for them yeah i remember i had a friend i don't know this was probably early 2000s like 2001 2002 something like that and he was describing the korean brood war pro scene to us which he actually didn't have much knowledge about either but he said that they had broken starcraft 2 down into just a formula and that it was the game the pro scene was just people racing to see who could enter <laughs> the formula in the fastest and it's like okay oh okay like i kind of i mean i guess you could kind of say that because the meta was kind of established at some point and they stopped patching it but that was i don't know like <laughs> just such a crazy way though a crazy misconception of people who don't play how they understand the way that you know the way that it works or whatever right but anyway it just made me think of when you're talking about the, the, the people slapping the keyboard because i think that's what he was seeing and thinking you know what i mean thinking that he's translating into oh well they're just typing in something and it's like no yeah it's I, I, mean, <laughs> I had a super sim experience as well in school uh because i mean I, I feel like back then being good on a keyboard was like unheard of because uh, I had a keyboarding class as well when I was again when I was around middle school, and if you could type, you could pat, you would like get an A plus if you could type at least like forty words per minute, mm -hmm. and that was like what people are trying to build up to. And a lot of uh, people that were in that class, you could tell they've never even touched a keyboard in their life. They're like, okay, I'm typing probably like three words a minute, like one finger, look up, look down. They're like literally scanning the keyboard every time. Like where is the J? Where is the B key? Like they don't know where any keys are. And I'm literally typing, I, I wouldn't say again, I, the fact that I type as fast as I do now, but I could already type at least like 60 still, mm -hmm. 50, 60 words per minute. So I already passed the class day one. And again, it's the same thing where even the teacher thought I was joking around by slapping the keys. And they're like, are you even typing? And I'm <laughs> in typing and they're like, it's like, everyone's just blown away. Like, wow, you actually can use a keyboard already. This is insane. Our keyboarding class was day one was black keys. No, yeah. there was no letters. There's just nubs on J and F and that was it. That's all you got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the keyboards I remember for school was like, it's similar to the first computer I got where it literally looked almost like a pizza box with like a little tiny monitor on top of mm -hmm. it. And it was the most basic computer ever. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, no one. It was like uncommon knowledge to be able to use a computer back then. Yeah, I grew up with a, with a, a computer at home, but still didn't really learn. I mean, I took a keyboard class but I wasn't good at typing still. And it really wasn't until I got into online gaming that I became more proficient at typing because you have to type while you're playing. And then, yeah. uh, you know, so speed becomes more imperative. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas when I'm writing a paper for high school or something like, I don't care. I'm just trying to get through it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we, we had a, a moment a little while back that I didn't want to take us out, you know, run the train off the tracks, just right out the gate. But uh, I, do, I have to call out for our longtime listeners that this is the first episode in which someone other than Walker has referenced WoW um, before he did. So <laughs> I guess I got to ask, uh, what, what, was your, what was your side? What you, would you play? So I've gone all over the place. Uh, I've played both Horde and Alliance, and I've played 
basically every class in the game at some point, except for a paladin. I've never wanted to play a paladin ever. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I I'm I'm in the same boat, uh, jumping all over the place. I have played a paladin uh, back in the Lich King days, but I just wanted to be able to to run dungeons with my buddies easily and. Sure. nothing easier than a paladin tank so yeah. <laughs> if, if i had to if i had to dictate like one class that defined me in while though it would definitely be a warrior i would say I definitely warrior main most of the mm. time uh and i think the most which is why i'm excited actually about burning crusade classic coming out again because i'll i feel like i'll jump back into that again but uh doing um like stance dance arena that like back in like bc days and early like before they changed the way around that was in my opinion super fun i love that class and uh yeah, warrior definitely. I I I had the most fun by far. Just like you charge someone with like a full rage bar and you just rage dump him, and they just die. Yeah, <laughs> like it just feels good. Yeah, and BC when I played probably the most was like the BC Lich King era, and uh, sure. one of my closest friends that I played with, he played a, a warrior, and I played a resto druid, and yeah, we just yeah, right? around in world yeah, PvP God, and just farm. Yeah, yeah, God, like combo. <laughs> right, super, just a lawnmower, just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, so, you know, you mentioned Heroes of New Earth earlier, which is one of the early MOBAs, and, and then obviously we're talking WoW now. Do you play any other games besides StarCraft at this point, or you still yeah. largely just play StarCraft? Um, I, so, like, nowadays, I would say I, I definitely don't play anything, like, consistently all the time. Uh, I might do that again with, like, BC when it comes out, or I might do that again with some of the new ARPGs that are coming out, like maybe D4, maybe PoE2, something like that. Mm -hmm. But right right now, I would say I play Apex Legends here and there. I play mm -hmm. uh, still a little bit of Path of Exile here and there. I sometimes uh, bounce around in a mod for Diablo 2 called Project Diablo 2. Mm -hmm. And uh, the whole announcement of Resurrected made me get more hyped again about that. That's, uh, that Resurrected mod looks super fucking good for yeah. Yeah. Uh, D2. Um, and then... Other than that, right now, if I do play something else, it might be literally for like one day because it might like one of my friends might be like, hey, we should play this game. Like, for instance, an example would be I played a game called Pummel Party for a day and that was fun for the night. I played a game called Bloons TD for a day because of co-op TD. That was fun for a <laughs> yeah. day. Bloons is good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best uh, tower defense. It legitimately is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and other than that, not, not too much. I've been so busy lately. I feel like it's harder for me to find time to play games nowadays, uh, just for now, especially because... A lot of times for me, what happens is, um, is when I do beat a gym series, like people, a lot of times they'll ask me like, are you going to do another one? Cause a lot of people think it might only take me like three weeks to finish it, but it genuinely takes like two months of streams to do that. Cause it's all this content of talking and analysis, doing real games, not just like grinding through people at like a GM level. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of work that goes into it just on the stream side alone, but then there's editing that goes in afterwards and then there's email responses that go in after. And my email tends to blow up a lot more when I'm doing good gym series because a lot of people are like, can we coaching, 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 coaching? I want to do coaching. Uh, so that, like right now, for instance, I've coached the last like three days in a row and I'm doing another six days in a row after this. And then there's more people that are like, what's your available like in two weeks? <laughs> it actually, just like it's crazy, man. People like it just becomes so much and uh, it's. It's super exhausting, but it's it's definitely worth it. I love doing it. Um, and then there's other stuff on the side too that I've been talking about with people. Um, other things like, uh, not to go super deep into it, uh, but there's uh, something I've been doing as well on this uh, website called Rally.io with is uh, content creator crypto. Like it's there's lots of stuff going on, so it's definitely time consuming. It's uh, it's it's really cool though. It's definitely busy, busy, busy. Awesome. Yeah. So I I, I was gonna ask. Um, well, now I say that and I lost my I lost my train of thought. 
Sorry. So <laughs> no, I'll, you're good. I'll, yeah. I'll jump in. Um, you, so you transitioned mostly to kind of full-time streamer uh, and, you know, with your bronze to GM and with coaching and things like that, a lot of time sinks in there. Um, and with you saying that you kind of, kind of shy, not totally away from, but don't just don't have as much time for gaming. Uh, do you have other passive projects that are outside of gaming that you use as kind of a respite to get away from, I guess, what is kind of your day job of streaming and coaching? Honestly, uh, I'm pretty 100% all in with it. Like, I, it's mostly what I do. I would say the only thing I really do to uh, to drop back a bit and like really keep myself centered, I guess, would be just like, uh, as weird as it might sound, just like, you know, watching other content creators that aren't even in gaming at all. Just someone that's like more relaxed, someone that just makes you like, remember not to get like, like one thing that I, I'll just say this, one thing I notice a lot of people do, especially if they have, um, but like any type of popularity or any type of like, uh like success break like it, it, sometimes it can change people to a degree and when like they become instead of being like thank you they're like i deserve that kind of a way you know like it just like it, it literally changes them in a negative way and i always try to like keep myself uh more grounded by you know not getting fully absorbed in it and never just thinking about anything else so it could be something as simple as just watching like uh i don't know um a random stupid video about something that is like based off of food or something that's based off of like a uh, construction video or I, just other random crap that's not related to gaming at all. And if I'm not doing anything that's like, just like viewing videos, it's uh, it'll usually genuinely be, I feel like it's the only thing I really do. It'll be like hanging out with my dog, like walking my dog or just like, just chilling out, just relaxing. Uh, and then uh, just like talking to friends, I guess as well, obviously like, but that's, that's kind of like a here or there thing that just happens every day, regardless where if someone messages you, talk to them, it's all, or you message them. Uh, it doesn't always have to be about gaming and yeah, I don't know, it's, but no projects though. No, nothing like where I'm like, you know, doing like home repair, or right. nothing crazy. Big, like big that. musician or anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, the books are the best though. So <laughs> the, the funny thing that you say that is, is I, and I don't think I'll ever do it and I don't think I could do it. Cause I don't think I have the talent for it, but I always thought it would be super like just badass if I could like make music that I already thought I was in, like super into and like do my own version of something like that. But I feel like I would just if I already know if I did that, I would probably listen to what I made and be like, that's not what I wanted. Like, yeah, I, I tried to go that. down that route. I wanted I so badly in the like late like 2010 ish era. I yeah. really badly wanted to produce a as big into like Australian drum, drum and bass music. And I was like, I want a drum and bass Christmas album. Like yeah. I want the little drum and bass boy to be like, <laughs> I want to remix all of the classic songs as yeah. just hardcore D and I tried cause I had a little bit of knowledge. I knew a few friends. I tried to mess around with it some. And I was like, I, I don't, I can't do this. I can't. Mm. And it's so no, that, that project got trashed pretty quick. So I, I get the feeling <laughs> yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was, I remember what I was going to ask you, um, you know, talking about the, the bronze to GM series, um, is this, will this be your third one or have you done? This is my fourth one. Fourth uh, one. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I did the first series I did, which was really fast. I did just random only. So I didn't split the races up. Ah. Uh, and then I got uh, the biggest common question I got there was people were talking about how I just never played their race in certain leagues. Cause it was like, you never played Terran or like, not only did you not play Terran, but you didn't even play like the one I really struggled with the most was just TBT and gold or like silver. Uh, so I tried to like give people way more variety, but then the second time I did it, it, um, it went really fast. And the way to, the best way to describe it is, uh, 
the less games you play on an account, the faster your MMR fluctuates. So right. it would be like literally two wins and I'm promoted at like lower leagues because it's like the, the game's still trying to identify where I am. Uh, and then they would the same thing again where people are like, oh, you didn't play the one matchup I wanted you to just play. And you didn't play it until like platinum and I'm in stuck in silver. So I, uh, I tried to get it a bit more down in the third series. Uh, just to like try to give people more variety of games and I really you know every series I was always trying to like make sure I keep true to the whole thing of like I'm not trying to feel like I'm picking on lower level players but instead giving a guide to players uh, and then I got more games in the, the third time around and the third time around which is the one I made in 2019 uh, everybody lo- that was like the one series I got that had very little negative feedback and a ton of positive feedback but then I was the thing you would end up doing all the time uh, anyone who's in content creation I feel like can understand and and uh, relate to this is you always try to think about how you can make the next thing you do better than the previous thing you do and it's like Mm -hmm. a hurdle you have to continuously climb over and i thought to myself okay the next time i make a series whenever that is and it happens to me now i was gonna make i was gonna try to make a little bit better uh content production value to it so uh like my i feel like if you go to my series now it looks just more organized than it did before i'm trying to make it just like look very clean and then uh on top of that I tried to also delve deeper into the, in the analytical side because in the other series I would touch topics, but then like you, you, it's really hard when you're someone who knows a lot about some type of, uh, you know, activity and then other people have, that have no idea. I could say something like, for instance, I go, oh yeah, so just avoid the AOE. And someone's like, I don't know what that means at all. What is, what does the term AOE stand for? Like they don't just understand any of this stuff and you're like, okay, let me break it down really thoroughly. And right. make sure you actually understand what I'm saying. So I've been really, uh, my videos have been super long this series because I've been trying really hard to um, really go super in depth about breaking down every single uh, like dynamic in the game that I can think of that I have not talked about yet. And I feel like a big part of why I'm doing that as well is because over the last, ever since I made 2019 Beta Jam, it was the same thing where my coaching like just kind of exploded. And then I started doing something that I called replay analysis with coaching. So it's like, the difference would be is coaching is like a live call where they can ask me questions and talk one-on-one and a replay analysis is I just run through it at my own pace and I talk about what I think is relevant. And every, because, like it was like coaching overload essentially. And because of that, I feel like I went down this really deep analytical hole of just like how I talk about stuff now with StarCraft, mm-hmm. like even more than I did before. So now it's like just kind of coming out as well in the new series that I'm making right now that is super analytical. And it's really trying to make everyone get like a full full understanding of like what things mean in the game was so that then this i think this is probably uh for the way the series is going i i really do think this is overall better because i the concept i had before was trying to teach people um like in the last series in 2019 it was about teaching people like one concept like learn how to play efficient and macro and you'll be great and then maybe learn how to do a couple builds overall when you know how to macro and you'll be you'll be good to go but it's still overall i felt like it was kind of basic and now I'm really trying hard to like actually teach people a concept, not of just StarCraft, but of RTS. So like, and one thing I've said a few times throughout the series, which I think is really, I think it's really cool if people get into it, is uh, not only will what you learn in that series help you get better at StarCraft, but it'll help you get better at the next RTS game you might play. Or like, let's say it's Age of Empires. Let's say if it's a Frost Giant Studios game. Let's say if it's a Dreamhaven game. Uh, like, or some other RTS company that you like. Um, you know, that would be huge at just helping you have a head start into like whole new unit set, whole new economy uh, uh, situation going on. But if you understand the concepts that people just don't think about and they just panic while they play RTS because it's overwhelming. And that's really the road I'm going down this time is just really trying to teach that kind of stuff.
That's super awesome. So you're you're taking basically everything that you learned from doing coaching and from doing replay analysis and then kind of merging the coaching and replay analysis <laughs> and then taking that and now applying it to your solo play while you coach others, kind of coaching the globe, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, one thing that's helped a lot, which besides what I, what, uh, what you just said, it was exactly true, is uh, one thing as well is when I coach people, I, I've coached people in bronze, silver, gold, like every league and I feel like I always see consistent repetitive problems in players that I coach. So that also helps a lot at helping me identify what those players need to improve on. And that's why I feel like I, I really feel confident in uh, the what I think is a, like a good way for you to grow as a player. Because literally the biggest problem that I notice in like lower level players, uh, just to give you an example, would be they always watch Pro Starcraft and Pro Starcraft never talks about macro. It always talks about your micro and like, wow, look at that engagement. You just took. Oh my God, he's yep. he's setting this up like insane. And then everyone thinks that that's how you play Starcraft. So they don't know any better. And if they just break the game down to a lower, easier degree where it's just like more consumable right away, then they can grow to a player that can actually comprehend how hard that is and then actually realize, oh, there was no chance they could even do that before because I, I didn't macro at all. I didn't blah, blah, blah. I didn't do these things. So it really just like helped me understand where players are actually at instead of just kind of guessing where they're at. Yeah, well, so I, I'm curious, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but sure. do you have an example of like a fundamental of RTS that applies more broadly that maybe that you do see that players aren't, aren't picking up on? Yeah, uh, people with no patience is probably mm. the biggest one that happens repeatedly, where a lot of this happens in my stream chat all the time as well, where they're like, why don't you just go kill him right now? And it's like, <laughs> okay, let's think about it for a second. If I have the advantage, and right now, if I go attack him right now, let's say if we had to do the math on it, I probably have like a 60% chance to win. And that still means it's better than not, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to win, but I still have a high chance to lose. Whereas what if I just sat here for two more minutes and I just continued on the lead that I already have, and now I can turn this lead into a 60% chance to win, now into like an 80% chance to win. And now suddenly I have a much higher chance to win. And then again, if if, if it makes sense to attack, though, if they, for things like your limitations, like supply block, for instance, or like, oh, sorry, supply cap, where like, what if I now hit my threshold of 200? Well, now I'm at the biggest power spike I can be at. So now if I wait any longer, it means that I'm only going to let him catch up at this point. So like understanding like these, what I like, I just call them power spikes because it's literally like, you're at the the strongest you're going to be at this point in time right now. And if you wait any longer, it's going to only go down. But if you push before you get there, it's going to be on the down spot, down, downside mm. again. So really just understanding when you should be attacking. And, uh, you know, that gives you the higher odds to make the, the best outcome for yourself. Because a lot of times people literally just always pull the trigger right away. They're like, oh, he attacked me and I defended. Even if I only have six units, I'm going all in. Like, we're just attacking because <laughs> I feel like I need to. It's like, no, keep relax. this wind train running. <laughs> yeah, right? Just relax, dude. You're going to throw the game away right now, and it's going to go the opposite again. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, we've we've talked to a few other um, StarCraft II scene people, I guess, for lack of a better way to succinctly put that. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, obviously StarCraft II has been around for a decade plus now, uh, and it did switch to free-to-play, which I think was probably a huge boon for picking up new players but like a lot of friends that i have that haven't played starcraft before especially at this point are terrified <laughs> to start because they think that it's this like five-year commitment to even be able to you know compete at all do you have any any advice that you would share or any sentiment you would share for for new players that are thinking about starcraft that haven't even played before yeah uh i would say uh if you start a game when a game is fresh and nobody knows what's going on 
um, you're not even going to think about the time because you're going to have that passion that's going to drive you. And it might take you five years to get to like pro level. It might take, it depends on the kind of person you are. It depends on uh, how perceptive you are, but it might take you five years. It might take you two and a half years. It might take you one year. Really just depends on you. But if you get into a game after it's been established and everyone already kind of, there's already like a meta that is developed and there's already like ideas of builds that are common that have like become mainstream. Uh, if you get into a game then and you have zero, uh, effort to improve your um like you do no research on how to like get better and you just kind of dive into it if you're gonna have fun then that's totally fine then you don't really care about time anymore you care about fun right but if you're the kind of person that's like no i want to get good at this game and i want to try to like my idea of fun is being competitive and like trying to get better and better and better it's gonna it, everything that i said before about each person's different it's only going to take you longer if you don't do any research, because now you're not only going into against people that are way more experienced than you, but if you do no research yourself and you just kind of like trial and error it and feel it out, you're going to feel like every game is going to be harder and that's just that's how it's going to go. But if you spend just a little bit of time doing a little bit of research, uh, like I'm not trying to self-promote my beta gym series here. No, but like, dude. <laughs> that's exactly what you should be doing. I'm getting ready to promote it again when you're yeah. done. So yeah. please go on. <laughs> but if you just have someone who can give you decent advice on like set you on your way on a path, you already stop. Like you just, you take all these like potential mistakes you would have made for countless hours and they're eliminated and you're going down a path now and you're all you're doing now is you're perfecting that path. And then you're now going to make what could have taken someone you know, longer to get to where they wanted to be. Now it's going to be faster than where it's going to be. And you you actually now have a head start going down that road where let's use a person instead of just throwing a bunch of numbers to confuse people. If it takes a guy, a random guy who starts the game from the beginning, he takes one year to get good at the game. If he joins the game, though, five years after the game's come out, it'll probably take him two years to get good at the game. If he never does any research, because now he's going to just get destroyed. It's going to be demoralizing. It's going to be hard to deal with. And he's going to have, a you know, a hard road ahead of him, but he's eventually going to get there if he just keeps keeps to it. But if you have a guy who starts as well, like five years after the game's been out, and he does, he actually goes through a course that tells you this is the optimal way to play the game. Now, instead of taking a year to get good at the game, it might only take him six months to get good at the game because it's actually taking away all of the variables that he has to guess about, and he just knows what to do now. And it's just the process of getting good at those specific variables rather than guessing what even is good and what isn't good. Because that is a big reason why it fluctuates so hard on each person is because the like when I was saying how, how perceptive someone is, is some people can actually look at a situation and go, no, that's bad. No, that's good. And they actually know, OK, this is how I fix that. And some people go, I have no idea. Like, is that good? Is that bad? Uh, <laughs> like, it might take me like five times as long as you to figure out if that's even good or bad. So I don't even know if I'm making the same mistake over and over. And uh, a, a good way to give an example of this is I've seen people. Uh, I'm not gonna throw anyone's name under the bus or anything like that, but I've seen people streaming and say things like, they'll get like cheesed and they'll be like, I know what I should do here. I should do this. That's how you beat that. And I listen to that and I go, no, it's not. That is not how you beat that. Uh, that's actually going to kill you even harder. And you'll figure that out later when you die next time. Uh, you know, it's just like people will do that all the time to themselves, right? It's because they, they don't know. They have to go through the process of learning it. So. Yeah, if you have a guide that tells you like this is how you probably should be playing the game and with a good indicator of like, you know, because you're, you're taking the advice from someone that actually knows what is and what isn't good uh, for that particular thing you're looking at, uh, then yeah, it'll definitely speed up the process of getting better at the game and it won't feel as intimidating because the, the biggest thing that lives like the lure that latches someone into the game is that moment when you first have your 
your real first epiphany that goes, wow, like I, I actually like, I just like I did that really well. And I have not been able to do that before. And now suddenly I feel like I'm a better player and it, just, it gets addicting, right? And you just get better and better. Yeah, I think that uh, there's there's kind of two things to that. One is that the, for the player that is just trying to learn on their own, I think for me, the hardest thing, especially with StarCraft, was unlearning bad behaviors, right? Yeah. Where I had picked up, because I was just playing for fun for a long time. Maybe I looked at a couple builds, but I didn't watch big guides. And when, I, when I'd watched guides and watched, you know, like the Bronze GM series going, oh, Lord, then trying to apply it, it was like, I still had muscle memory for bad habits. And yeah. so having to unlearn those is really, really difficult to do. And so I think, like you said, like starting with a guide is going to make it so you never pick those up. Yep. The other thing is, is there's a lot of games, especially in real-time strategies. Real-time strategies do not do a great job of teaching you everything about the game. Like, I don't think there's a single place in StarCraft that, especially not in the campaign, if you just come from the campaign, you don't know that camera locations exist. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I, I have a, sorry to interrupt you. I, no, I, have no, really, no. Uh, I have a really interesting point about this because I actually went back recently and I looked at the tutorial to multiplayer for StarCraft 2 and I was so disappointed. <laughs> and I feel like this is why. This is what this is what I think traditional RTS development was about. And then I'll talk about what I think current day RTS development should be like. But I think traditional RTS development is, the tutorial to the game is not about how you correctly play in multiplayer and play for like efficiency and how you play properly. Um, like if you look at like a, like if, if you have like a, a box, a board game and you like look at the rules, it actually tells you how to play the game, right? That's mm -hmm. what something like that will do. But if you look at a, a like campaign or a tutorial to StarCraft, I feel like the way those games are designed is it doesn't tell you how to play the game. It tells you how to move your mouse and your keyboard and stuff on the screen and stuff like that. But then it also, I feel like it's more of a demo to show you what Unix exist in the game where it's like, this right. is a hive tech broodlord. This is a carrier from a fleet beacon and a stargate. This is a mothership. This is a battle cruiser, but it has nothing to do with how you're supposed to play the game. Right. Like it literally is, there's no instructions on how to actually use the units and how to play the game. It's just a click and this is what you can use. Um, and the, the, the tutorial, I actually, so that's like campaign is just like a, like a introduction to the game of like, this is what it has in it and figure it out. Uh, and then even further than that, it's the same thing in tutorial for, uh, for multiplayer, because I remember watching it and it, I ran through the tutorial and I was like, dude, if I did this, I would genuinely be stuck in bronze for life. And it, what, it, this is what it did. This is what it told me to do. I did the Zerg one and it was like, all right, welcome to Zerg. I want you to go ahead and open up with an early spawning pool. And then you're like, okay. It's like, okay, you made a pool. Now I want you to make a second gas or uh, your first gas. And then I want you to make like 10 Zerglings. And then I want you to make a second gas. And now I want you to expand. And you're like, dude, this is like, this guy would be on like 18 drones when the other guy's on like 45. <laughs> like what the hell is this build? It doesn't even tell it's you like, the tech. It's like an early pool, but a bad early pool. Yeah, a fast it, expand, but no drones. Like and... it, has no, yeah, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's like, so if you go for a pool first, it means you're aggressive and you need to attack your opponent. Uh, versus if you go for macro build, you should be the defender. And that's how the game kind of lines up. And it does nothing about that. It's like make Zerglings, make a pool, make a lot of gas and just have like a thousand gas in your bank doing nothing. Don't even tech yet. And just <laughs> sit there defensively while we now guide you into the next base you're going to take. And then eventually we're going to teach you how These to like- These 10 Zerglings will do great against your enemy, your, the enemy Protoss's Oracle opener. <laughs> yeah, right? And like, and, and if you put that guy, if you actually had a guy, just like the, the way I described it is- uh, 
Uh, and it's very true. If you put a guy in like one hour or like two hours of that tutorial, and then you put him like fresh into multiplayer, and like you had another guy who used something more traditional that's mainstream about actually teaching someone, teaching someone how to play multiplayer properly, uh, you put that guy, like two different guys that have never touched the game, do two different tutorials, and they 1v1 each other after like a two hour training period. The guy who does the more modern version of what, like, like B2GM, for instance, he will have a 100% win rate against the other guy mm -hmm. just because the guy who doesn't know how to play properly and actually make economy is going to have like 60 supply when the other guy's maxed out. Yep. And it's like, why is this game so hard? Oh, I don't understand. <laughs> it's because the tutorial isn't based around actually teaching you how to play the game. It's about teaching you how to like make this is what the unit exists in the game if you want to make it. It's like, oh, this is a muta. And now right. you made two of them. Now we need you to make three investors. <laughs> <laughs> it's also based around, yeah. it's probably not based anywhere close to uh, any recent patch or maybe even the recent expansion. I it's don't know like, that it was updated. Yeah, no, not at all. It hasn't been updated once, I don't think. Yeah. I think yeah. it was, I honestly think it was a developer <laughs> that made it and went, People might not realize that Hive units exist or Layer units exist or like Stargates <laughs> even exist. Let's show them that they exist. I mean, to be fair, there are some players that that probably could use to you run through the original tutorial to learn those things. Because, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I will say uh, one buddy who did who did ask uh, how to get into StarCraft. Uh, I told him basically you you never stop building workers. Uh, and then the next thing I did was link him your B. To GM series, <laughs> I was like, yes, I was like, <laughs> you just need to know to build workers a lot. That's the thing that most players don't get is that it doesn't stop at like twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and then really, you should just pick a race and watch this dude's videos because he'll walk you through how to a move across the map in Bronze League, <laughs> all the way up to how to right. actually play. <laughs> yeah, the the biggest thing I always tell people that's like the easiest way to explain it is StarCraft Two is honestly a game about maintaining efficiency as much as possible, and what that means is that every building you make needs to be producing something the entire time. It's like an assembly line that never ends, mm -hmm. and if your build ever has moments where it's like. I make a barracks and then I make one Marine and I don't use it again for 90 seconds. And then I make one Marine and I don't use it again for 72 seconds. It's like, well, your assembly line has like 15% uptime mm -hmm. and you're literally like, you could be pumping a like Marine, 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 Marine. And it's like Marine, like an empty conveyor belt, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then a Marine randomly on there. And a lot of people think that when they play the game that way, that it's okay because they, the reason why is because they go, well, I'm spending my money though. And then instead of just making units out of the building, they just make more buildings and they don't build out of them. And they're like, wow. well, that's fine. And then you're like, no, 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 no. You have to just <laughs> if you keep building units. That's how you play. And then when you have too much money, then, then you add on more. Right. So uh, uh, something else that we talk a lot about on this show and kind of one of the, the thing, one of the earliest points that we related StarCraft to when we started this podcast is um, StarCraft in, in many ways kind of offers a <laughs> mental health <laughs> coach opportunity just from the game itself because it presents you with such a variety of scenarios do you find that starcraft 2 translates into to to real life i mean obviously not literally the, the mechanical skill of it but just the way that you think about it the way you deal with wins and losses and all that sort of stuff um i would say i don't know about i, I couldn't really talk about real life situations because i feel like as a person i've always been a very calm very like level-headed person like i'm i'm definitely the kind of person that it, maybe it goes sometimes is a detriment to my character to a degree it can in situations, but it can be like if even if someone like screws me over in a way, I should be like, it's fine. Like not a big deal. Not, I'm not going to make a huge deal out of it. It's totally fine because I'm not going to like ruin my day over this. and I'm not going to like stress about this. I've always had like very low stress levels and it's always been kind of like it's just because I'm a super relaxed person. Um, takes a lot to make me get super stressed out. 
but I would say that to apply it to just other games would be when I have a friend, I'll, I'll use WoW as an example. And even though I love WoW, I'll, it's a bad example for this, but I've had friends where I'll play StarCraft for, or like I'll play harder games, right? Like StarCraft is definitely a harder game. And then I will, uh, we'll play a new game and automatically I'm already good at it. And then they're like, wow, you're like, you picked this game up so fast. And I'll have a friend who's been playing WoW uh, for like 10 years or something or like eight years and he'll play a new game as well. And he'll be like, this is so hard. Like, cause it's like, wow, like rotted his brain to it. It's like nowhere near as hard. So Starcraft definitely keeps your mind sharp more than other games by a big degree. And, uh, the, the best way you can, the way you can look at it is like Starcraft is like taking gaming steroids for other games because it just makes you good at everything. It yeah. is such a hard game that you literally feel like it takes every skill set possible. So I, you brought up something and I, I want to get your opinion on it. And I know we don't have a huge amount of time left, but I'd just love to know like your 10,000 foot view, because we've talked about this before in other episodes that there are games that are good to teach people who have never played any video game before. Hmm. Like if that's your first video game, they do a really good job in the tutorial of teaching you not just how to play their game, but how to play games in general. And you had mentioned, uh, and with the, you know, some more RTSs kind of on the horizon, what do you think a good RTS tutorial would look like? Um, so I, this is interesting because I've had this conversation with people before because it's it's definitely something that's uh, you want to have a balance between something that is actually going to be useful knowledge that's going to help them get better uh, so they don't just get frustrated and lose. But you also want to have a balance of ha making the person have fun because I will say uh, I don't I, I would 100% say this uh, about my own series. My series, if someone sat down and you said, hey, have you ever heard of StarCraft before? And they went, no. And you went, hey, check this out. And you put them in front of my video. I bet that person's probably going to watch 10 minutes and go, can we watch something else? Like, I don't really, I'm not that interested anymore because it's it's already catering to people that are already invested in the game. Right. Um, <clears throat> it's like, uh, it's basically a way where someone goes, this game's fun. I really like it. And I want to get better at it. Then that person likes my series. So if you actually want to get someone who's never played RTS before, you, I really do think you should probably have like multiple layers of tutorial where the first tutorial is literally just like, this game's fun and here's why. And like, it's a very basic version right. of how it can be fun. So maybe something then like the, uh, <clears throat> the traditional like campaign sense of like a Starcraft or something like that, where someone's like, oh, what's this unit do? Okay, cool. And like they see explosions and blood and like, they're wow, things are like lots of chaos is going on the screen. And then suddenly you get like an upgrade for your unit. And now it makes your unit like jump up a cliff and you're like, oh my God, like this is sick. Like, okay, and I can do this too. And just some way that makes the person just have genuine fun in a very basic way. Mm -hmm. uh, that I think is what you would uh, get. So that's what it would be for a newer player. And then for a more advanced player, then you can fine tune efficiency and like actually draw them in deeper with like the competitive side of them. I think something like uh, a Rocket League does a really good job mm -hmm. of introducing the fun basic things yeah. while also having like training packs like built built into the game and then the option for other players to add training packs that are just like now if you really want to do the challenging things here's a ridiculous shot that you have to make and if you don't know how to play right. you should go back and play the like intermediate <laughs> training pack to so i think something like an uh, like i mean there are starcraft versions like the micro trainer or whatever that help mm -hmm. build those things but those again are built by other players i think having some of that built in just to show like macro to 200 supply and put a timer up and yeah. when you get there it ends the timer and gives you a score would be kind of something along those lines 
I, I think probably the I think Rocket League is a good example, too. But I, I think the thing about Rocket League and the, what makes me kind of think what the answer I'm about to give you in a second here is why it kind of clicked in my mind about what it would be like. Rocket League is basically like traditional soccer. And I feel like the majority of people know, oh, well, you have two goals and a ball and you kick the ball on the other mm -hmm. goal on the other side of the field. Right. That's the goal of the game. And now we're just doing a fun spin on it with a car and it can flip around and you can like fly a lot with the car if you know how to control your boosts and stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of cool things you can do with it, juggling the ball, uh, which makes it really fancy, which is super like flair based gameplay. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the best way you can just get someone into the game to make them have fun is literally teach them the rules of the game in a very easy way that makes them have fun. And like, so for instance, uh, if you put, uh, I, don't, I don't know how fun this would be by per se, but like RTS is definitely something that's a bit more complicated. Right. Because uh, it's not like as. You could say, oh, well, you make economy and you kill your opponent, right? Well, that last man standing wins in a super basic sense. But it like a lot of RTSs have different methods where it's like, well, this one's about controlling a node. And you have to stand there to gain resources. This one's about mining resources and in and out of your command center. This one's about uh, maybe gaining resources when you can, like just walk over terrain and suddenly you control that area. And now you have it. And it's like you have to walk over multiple areas and it's a one time thing. It doesn't generate over time. So you have to like really make sure your game has like a. Uh, you know, like it's like a clear cut, like explanation of what you're doing and like just showing someone a basic way to do it. So maybe in a, just a version of StarCraft, because everyone uh, I'll, I'll talk about StarCraft because I know StarCraft and I'm not <laughs> going to say something that's wrong here. Uh, right. But uh, with StarCraft, maybe having someone just do something where like uh, you show them how to mine from like one base really fast, really easy peasy. Like you could even do like the, the way a multiplayer game starts now where you start with 12 workers and it auto mines for you. And then... Um, Maybe don't focus on that the whole, a whole lot because I will definitely say the majority of people who play StarCraft don't think macro is the fun part of the game. Right. Just like introduce it, but then move on quickly and be like, so you need these to make these and these are what you want to use to go kill those things. And then you have the person do an objective of killing an, like just an AI or whatever and push through an objective. And then it takes maybe like 15 minutes and then it's over and you win. Uh, and, you know, then it's like. And you could like, and then maybe if they want to do another one, then it's like a little bit more advanced of more things you could do. I think I do definitely think micro is the lure to the game. Right. And then, uh, and because that's like the flashy part of the game that everyone likes. And then, yeah. And then that's why like my series is so heavy, especially for newer players all about macro, which is everyone's always like, can we micro already do this? So boring. <laughs> so boring. I don't want to macro anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Getting the fun part of the game out there and explaining it in a, in a really easy, basic way would be the way I would say it would have to go. Well, as we wrap up, uh, you know, the, the theme of our podcast here is, is why gaming matters. Uh, and so whenever we have a guest, we always like to, to ask you, when you hear that phrase, if we ask you the question, why does gaming matter? Uh, what is your response to that? Why, why would you say gaming matters? Um, my, my answer to that has changed over the years a little bit. and uh, But I have one core fundamental foundation to it. And I think the best word I can use for game, why gaming matters is community. Uh, the thing about gaming for me that made me love games more than it, like the, the, I, I can remember the moments I got addicted to games was when I would literally find myself logging into a game that had a community on the game. And I would be like intending to play the game. But then I find myself spending three hours talking to people and I'm like, <laughs> hey, what's up? Like, we're just talking about random stuff about the game and it's giving us a conversational topic to talk about. And then you make friends because of this. And you, sometimes you might even just log in with the intention to play, but you just talk to your friends. And then a lot of, obviously a lot of times you log in and you actually play the game. But making friends, uh, I'm not going to lie, like uh, I'm 33 right now. And I 
the only friends that I talk to still that I met while I was in elementary school, middle school, high school. And it's, I would say my, my friends that came from there, they play a lot less than me now, but the only ones I still do talk to here and there are my gamer friends. And then, uh, my, and it's like a good way to also keep connected, like globally as well. It's so easy to talk to each other online. And then all my friends that I've met over the years through pro, uh, pro gaming tournaments, through streaming, through, uh, um, just, you know, friends that I've met through gaming as well, like in any game that I was interested in at the time are all the friends that I talk to like way more nowadays. So it's just, it's constant, like, Hey man, you want to play a game of apex legends? Hey, you guys want to play a game of, uh, Dota? You guys want to play a game of whatever. Right. And, uh, it, it, yeah, it's just a good way to stay connected with other people. And it just, it's, it makes it way more fun. Uh, so gaming, I feel like just builds long lasting relationships with people and it makes you have a lot more fun. It, it, and uh, I've gotten to the point so much as well where I kind of rely on it, where I'm like, oh, I'm super excited about playing that game. And my friends get excited and my excitement goes from like 100 to like 150. And I'm like, mm -hmm. now I'm really excited. But then, I mean, it has a double edged sword, too, though, where if I'm really excited about playing a game and I'm already at like 100 and they're like, I don't know if I'm going to play. And now I'm like at a 50. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh, well, maybe it's not that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I probably, right? Maybe like, I was wrong. Maybe yeah, I was yeah. wrong. I'll step back. I'll wait for a sale. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I don't know if I want to play anymore. But it's like gaming with your friends is there's nothing that's more like for me personally from my experiences like those are the days that i think about when i and like and it makes you like it's like a fond memory right where it's like mm -hmm. oh i remember opening day of that game and we literally played for like 24 hours straight and we were just <laughs> addicted all day and it was we, super fun right and yeah yeah going through valheim week recently was us <laughs> yeah right no it's so fun dude yeah um and then I would say a second part of that, which is why I say it changed a little bit, but that's still the core foundation of what I think gaming is to me. Uh, a little bit on the side of it is competitive outlet. Like I love being able to be competitive and stuff. And if I didn't have that, I feel like I would be more or less bored uh, in day-to-day -day stuff. Um, and being able to have like the vast difference of experiences at the same computer setup is amazing. Like, uh, and it's very, 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 uh, approachable like i feel like there, there's other if i was like let's say i was a, like a competitive bodybuilder or something like that well that's there's a lot more investment into that one thing that applies to that only but if, if i'm let's say i'm a competitive rts player and now i want to be a competitive fps player now i want to be a competitive mmo player and i want to like all these arpg player whatever there's a lot of different experiences i can like delve into and it just gives me variety that i don't know it's really fun gaming it can be super addictive um and yeah, being competitive with it, especially when you're competitive with your friends, that is like the the peak of everything for me, or that is the most fun when you get a group of friends that are laid back, they're competitive, and you guys also play a lot together. And it's just like a good time and you're, you know, because you're winning and you're also having a good time. You have been talking and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, you're you're uh, preaching my language right there. That's exactly <laughs> probably, I mean, not verbatim, but that's pretty much the answer I would give as well. Yeah. Uh, it's that social element to it is just so good. And what you mentioned about really the low cost, because you, I mean, you buy, I mean, yeah, gaming PC, expensive, whatever, sure. but for one to two thousand dollars, you can have a gaming PC, and now you can have access to lots and lots of different experiences right. with your friends. Um, and to your point, there's just it's a low barrier of entry when you look at a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, well, well, we definitely uh, appreciate you coming on the show tonight and really appreciate your time. We'll have links in the show notes to your Twitch channel, to your Twitter. Is there anywhere else you'd like to direct listeners to, to connect with you at? No, that's good. Uh, Twitch, Twitter, definitely really good. Those are the main things I use. So that's perfect. 
Okay, awesome. And of course, make sure that you check out the Bronze to GM series on YouTube. Totally awesome. We used it. It definitely helped us improve. And uh, it's a we've talked about it in earlier episodes of the show. So go check it out. Super good. Nice. Thank you, guys. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much, Vibe. It's been a pleasure. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash pod, or just tell a friend about us because word of mouth really does make a difference. All of our links and social accounts are available in the show notes. And if you want to hear more from either one of us on topics outside of gaming, Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests. And my podcast, Dungeons and Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought.